about uh, some, some of the preachers of the 20th century that have had an influence on me and maybe some specific things about their life that I gleaned and learned that, that would help you in your ministry, help you in your preaching, help you uh, and maybe in a balanced life and a balanced approach to the ministry because we're getting it from a lot of different men. And, uh, and let me say before I even dig in, I think we're going to take two sessions here to do this because I've got a large list of men. And let me preface all of this by saying that uh, you don't have to agree with everybody on everything to learn from them. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned was from one of these men I'll mention, but you can agree to disagree on some things. Uh, now when it's cardinal issues, doctrines, truths, the body of doctrine, but once you, you, there's no giving or, or, or taking, I mean, we stay with the truth. But uh, I don't know anybody that has every single preferential idea in line. Uh, that's where maturity comes in. You know. um, I'm going to take my toys and go somewhere else if they don't play like I want to play. You know. But um, but that doesn't mean you have to change your position. So I'm going to mention some men, and some of you, let me say that maybe have some preconceived notions about some of these men that you heard somebody else say. Well, one of, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is to bear false witness on somebody. And what you heard about somebody, if you don't know it, I'd bite my tongue off before I told it. And what I'm going to tell you tonight about these men is what I know about them. What is it, personal experience and interaction with them. And, and I may spend longer on a few of those men than others, and, uh, and I'll try to keep it moving. But I think every one of them that I talk about will, will, will give you, help you, some of the, some of the truths that I learned, maybe, maybe an approach from their ministry that I learned will be helpful to you. So with that in mind, we'll have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on, on this next lesson. Heavenly Father, once we enter into this study again tonight, we know that... Uh, we're living in days of charlatans. We're living in days of false prophets. We're living in days of creeps. You said in Jude, men who've crept in unaware. We've got creeps all through our movement, compromisers, these churches going backward instead of forward in their positions. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that the pattern that these men that I'll mention tonight and comment upon uh, and, and, the, and the track that they ran, the... the pace that they set, uh, the pattern that they've given us to follow. I pray we could, we could learn, and even in this 21st century, that we could make application and make a difference in others' lives because of it. Uh, and so I ask you to help me, help my mind to remember, recall uh, those things that you'd have me to say about these men. Uh, and so we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I think it'd be appropriate if I talked about my daddy first. Now, let me say, some of these men's names uh, you may not even be familiar with. But what he asked me to do was to mention men. It's not about those men. It's about the truths that those men taught me. So some of you say, I don't know who that preacher is. But with the internet access of today, anybody you see, you write their name down, you look them up. And, uh, and make sure you just don't believe what everybody writes underneath that thing. You know. Uh, and uh, so uh, I'll start with my daddy, Dr. Curtis Hudson. He was uh, saved 
as an 11-year-old boy at the Bethel Baptist Church. It's still a Bible-believing church. In fact, Preston Moore, one of my heroes, pastors that church today, and, uh, and one, of, one of the men that have had much influence in my life. He got saved there as an 11-year-old boy, and in his uh, latter teens, he, uh, he responded to God. He didn't make a public announcement or call to preach, but he knew God was calling him. And, and a long story, if I could say anything about my dad, he was a holy man. I see a lot of uh, preaching, a lot of preachers that say one thing and do another. Uh, I was raised in the rural, uh, I mean, stretching wire and running chainsaws and tamping posts. And, and I've, I've been working with my daddy, and I, I mean, I've seen him hit his finger with a hammer. And right there, we always say, right there, you know, you can say your Sunday school lesson. Somebody help me. And, and most everybody in my family, I mean, had what we call barnyard vernacular. Things that we just didn't call them cuss words, but, you know. Now, y'all, I don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, unless you're homeschooled, okay. But uh, the rest of us know what barnyard talk is. But I never heard my daddy say one euphemism. I never heard him say a dang instead of a damn. Ever. I seen him hit his hand with a with a hammer, and I, I mean he'd say, "Glory to God, Hallelujah." And I don't know if he was so happy about it. I, I didn't say he had some hypocritical part about him, but he was a holy man. And and one of the greatest truths that I guess character traits that I wish I had was he had a real burden for people. It was evident even in his dying days not just in his ministry, but he, would, he wrote letters constantly, I mean, until the, until the last hours of his death, trying to encourage preachers to carry on in the old-time way, not to compromise, not to dip their colors. And, uh, but one, 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 one particular incident that is, stands out in my mind, we were traveling, and uh, we, we were traveling, I, I don't know if we were on a vacation or what we were doing exactly, but we were traveling and we stopped at a huddle house. It's like a, a southern waffle house. Anybody familiar with a huddle house? Let me see if you're familiar with a huddle house. I know this Yankee over here is not. Uh, but I mean, man, can y'all see me up there? And, uh, and, and, and he stopped at his huddle house. And boy, I was excited, man. We were eating. And uh, all our family was there. And it was late at night. And when we got through, we got in the car, and we were anxious to go to the next place, the next stop we was going. I, I forget where we were headed, but it was a vacation-type thing. And we got about two exits down. It was on I-40. It was at uh, Crossville, Cumberland County, Tennessee. And we got about two exits down to Peavine exit. And Daddy turned around. He got off the exit, turned around. Didn't say anything. And he turned around, drove back down, back to that huddle house. And I thought, what's he doing, you know? And uh, maybe he left something in the, in the restroom. He turned around and he walked back. He said, I'll be back in just a minute, y'all. Y'all just be easy. And he walked back in and that waitress was sitting there and the cook. And I saw him motion that cook come here a minute. And I watched him communicate with those people. And I started catching on what he was doing. He was witnessing to them. Nobody there late at night, perfect setting. And I watched him as that cook bowed his head. And that waitress bowed her head and tears streaming down that waitress cheeks I couldn't hear what they were saying but I watched him lead them 
in a sinner's prayer. And I, and I watched, she reached over that counter and hugged him. And that cook shook his hand. And when Daddy came out of the door, he had tears coming down his cheek. He was smiling. And I'm telling you, he didn't just preach so much. But he practiced it. And, and, and when I think about Curtis Hudson, there's a great, great influence that he's had throughout the years. He being dead yet speaketh. I mean, you've got archives of sermons you can listen to. But when I think about it, I think about how that he was a consistent man. He was a holy man. And, and I learned that it wasn't just preaching, but it was, it was what he did. And, uh, and not that I have attained that. I want it. You know, but, but he had that. And I could say much, much more, you know. I mean, I, I think about his, uh, his stance. Uh, he, he, he took stands, and Brother Robinson knows what I'm talking about, in days of compromise, he took stands against the brethren in our ranks at that time in the, in the mid-'70s and early-'80s that were leaning into compromise, ecumenicalism, uh, and, and the charismatic movement. And man, he took stands that were not popular stands. Uh, but he didn't apologize for it. He lost good friends over it. But I appreciate a man that marked a trail uh, for a younger generation to follow. And, uh, and so I, I just think about his realness. And, and if I could challenge you today, man, be real. Uh, your, your children don't need to see you be one thing, church. And another thing on the job, and another thing at leisure times. I mean, man, be be the same all the time. One of the great attributes of our Savior was his immutability. Jesus Christ the same. And and you say, well, I can't let my hair down. I can You can have fun, but you but you don't have to be worldly to have fun. You don't have to be carnal to have fun. Uh, there's boundaries, and boy, Daddy Shirley kept those. We always laughed. We always had. We had, and let me say, can I add this one? Your time as a pastor, your time as a bivocational preacher, your time in the ministry is valuable. And uh, my daddy was gone a lot, but he never uh, sacrificed. The time that we had was quality time together. I may not have had all the quantity uh, that somebody else had had, but I had quality time. And, and you ought to make your time. Uh, I mentioned Brother Sammy Allen. Um, he just went to be with the Lord just a couple of years ago. Or how many knows Brother Sammy? Now, raise your hand if you do so I can see. Not so no, just five of us know him. And nobody has ever heard Sammy Allen preach. How many ever heard Sammy Allen on the, on the... Well, now Brother Sammy, I mean, he was he's very unique. You can't duplicate other people's ministries you can't duplicate now i've been i've been accused of that because man i'm a i'm so influential whoever i'm listening to that week if i listen to tom malone that week i'll be preaching you know tonight i believe the bible tonight is the word of god and i believe the word of god should be preached and expounded no matter what people think about it you stand i mean that's who i am if i'm listening brother sammy it's Oh, yes, I want to say tonight, is everybody listening? Is everybody listening real good? Hey, man, oh, yes. And if you've ever heard Brother Sammy, I sound more like him than he does. 
I called Miss Jimmy one time. I said, and I, I wasn't even trying to, but I got locked in the mode, man. I mean, I'd been listening to him quote scripture, and I said, is Brother Sammy there? And she said, I think I'm talking to him. <laughs> Brother Sammy, uh, he, he, he taught me this. So many things. But Brother Sammy Allen ta- taught me this, that... Uh, Never let your fire go out. Never let your fire go out. I mean, I, I, he, he would preach the same. I've, I've, I've been to hear Brother Sammy preach. There'd be six people in the building. Some, some mountain church in North Georgia. And I mean, just maybe five or six people in the building. And I mean, he preached like he's preached to 5,000. He didn't let atmosphere dictate his attitude. Now, man, I'm pitiful. I'm so atmospheric. If, I, if it's not my choir singing and my daughter singing, I, I mean, I, I got to have, it's got to be a certain way for me or, man, I'm just like empty. You know, y'all pray for me. Uh, and Brother Sammy told me one time, I said, Brother Sammy, I said, I watch you preach. And, man, you'll preach the same to, to 500, 600, 1,000 that you preach. And I said, no difference. I said, and I'll use this. I said, how do you get liberty? He said, Brother Tony, listen real close. Not close. Real close. It's with a T. Well, some of you, Brother Tony, you listen real close. He said, you need to learn to take liberty with you. Well, then I got the thing that, you know, for years I didn't know what that meant. I, 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 I didn't want to act stupid. So I said, oh, yeah. And I said, what are you talking about taking then I got to watch some of these athletes when they're warming up and they got their headsets on. I mean, man, the, uh, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to hum your own song. Sometimes you got to sing it. I've gotten up in meetings and I, I had to sing my own specials. And I don't think I can sing good, but the music was so whirly. I don't know why they had me come. And the music was so... I had to get up there and sing one of them old ones. They were in an upper chamber. They were all in one accord. And I had to get in a gear. Brother Sammy said, you all learned to take liberty. And uh, we're not always going to be afforded the privilege to be in our acclimated, perfect set thermometer. I mean, man, I, I mean, sometimes you preach in a prison hallway and they're cussing down the hallway, screaming, and you're banging the, banging the walls. You've got to learn to take liberty. So, Brother Sammy, so many things I can say about Brother Sammy, but, I mean, just the, the idea that, that, man, he was the same. He never changed. I'm talking about never. I asked my daddy one time. We were sitting on a porch, and I named over men. I said, Dr. Jack Hiles. I said, give me a, he said, he said he's a church builder, motivator. I'm like, That's a good description. And I named over somebody else, and he told me what he thought about them. And I said, Sammy Allen. And he was raised. They were there the same Brother Sammy's maybe two or three years younger than Daddy, and uh, they were raised in the same area. And he said, "Brother Sammy never changed." That was that was his description. But I want it to be said about me. Now, if I'm wrong, don't don't take that. that you hypercritical. You're going to. But if I'm wrong, I want to. Say, I didn't say that. If you're wrong, I want to get right. I want to be right. But I mean, if we're right, you don't. Papa used to say, "Don't fix something ain't broke." 
And man, this movement today is trying to fix things as fine like they are. Brother Sammy didn't do it. Same hymn book, same Bible. I mean, same atmosphere. And what, what a lesson I learned from his consistency. Dr. Bobby Robertson, he pastored uh, the Gospelite Baptist Church in uh, Walkertown, which is really just a little suburb of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in the Piedmont there in North Carolina, very thickly populated with our kind of churches, Bible-believing churches, old-time churches. Brother Bobby Robertson, he never lost his tenderness and I mean, this is a man, you know, if you're going to pastor a church, you need to develop a hide like a rhinoceros and a heart like Bambi. You're going to have to learn to put up with some stuff. And I mean, hurt feelings and mistreatment. I've been lied on, stole from, misrepresented, talked bad about. Are y'all listening to me? And that was all Baptist church members. And uh, you, you have to learn to have a thick skin. But, oh, but it ought not affect our heart. And old brother Bobby had been through such adversity. At 29 years of, old, uh, years of age, he had been pastoring that church for three or four years. And he had a, a nervous breakdown and went into the hospital. And while he was in the hospital with a nervous breakdown, two deacons rose up against him. One of them was his brother-in-law and split the church right down the middle, took a bunch over and started the church. And I mean, to this day, I'm talking about till the day he died, he's in heaven now, but until his death, boy, he, 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 he'd cry when he thought about his brother-in-law. He never, never, never was, uh, had any animosity, malice toward his brother-in-law. That's hard to do. I mean, man, I, I go to eat in a restaurant on Sunday afternoon and see a bunch of church splitters Man, I'm praying the ground opens up and swallows them down. I hiss at the wife like she used to hiss at me when I was preaching. Back to you, ma'am. Not Brother Bobby. He'll go up to their table. How y'all doing? How's your children? How's, how's, how's your daughter? Is she still a nurse? And I mean, by the time they get through, and he's heaping coals of fire on the head, not even trying to. He's just being Brother Bobby. He wasn't trying to apply a verse there. He just being Brother Bobby, and next thing you know, man, then people think about moving a letter back. You know, he didn't want them no more. But I mean, you know, man, he was so, he was so tender. He couldn't tell a story. I mean, I'm talking about he'd tell about somebody getting saved and just start weeping. He's so tender. You you ought to you ought to be able to to con- maintain your positions, practices, and principles. But, but still be, be, be tender. Have to. Some having compassion makes a difference, and it does make a difference. Brother Bobby had that. Um, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Let me talk about a man that was sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and I may throw Brother, brother I'm going to give you an illustration of Brother Sammy back, and I want to reiterate, but this, I meant to say this about him. Uh, brother Sammy, man, he, he was... He was just so so different. He'd go deer hunting and he'd he'd wear his suit. You know. He'd wear a suit and tie deer, he'd wear coveralls over his old Jim Jimbo Seaton was going deer hunting with him, taking to and Brother Sammy got out and had his suit and tie on, had his Bible over there beside his shotgun. 
and they're going to a deer stand. And, and Jimbo said, said, Brother Sammy, uh, why do you got your suit on? He said, he said, Brother Jimbo, you never know when you're going to have to preach. He was a preacher of revival, and he's riding around visiting folks with the preacher during the, during the, during the afternoon. And, and all of a sudden, Brother Sammy just said, stop right here. Stop right here. And that preacher stopped. And he got out, and he just started preaching. There wasn't nobody out there. It was a pond, and there were some houses sitting around. And he just, Brother Sammy just started saying, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Hype man with the, with the trumpet of God, voice of an archangel, the dead in Christ shall rise. And he just starts quoting. Man preached for 15 minutes. <clears throat> that preacher was looking at him like, man, he's lost it. <clears throat> he's pouring sweat. He gets back in there with his overcoat and says, all right then, I believe I minded the Lord. I believe I minded the Lord. That night he was preaching at that church. Gave an invitation. And this lady come walking down the aisle. And uh, she's, get, she's being dealt with. And uh, a lady motioned to her. Said, said, this lady wants to talk to you. And uh, he reached away. He said, ma'am. And Brother Sammy, during the invitation, he keep his microphone on. In the invitation. He walked up to sinners in, in the altar. And he said, he said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, no, sir, uh, you've already helped me. And he, he said, how did I help you, ma'am? She said, today I was sitting on my back porch. And said, I heard somebody preaching. And said, they started quoting scripture. And said, well, I was on my back porch. Said, I asked the Lord to save my soul. You said, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's something you ought to learn. I'll learn some of that. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Oh, Dr. Lee Robertson. How many of you ever heard of Dr. Lee Robertson? Pastor at Highland Park Baptist Church. He, he'd preach 15 minutes. I never heard him preach over 15. I've heard him preach 13. Uh, but I never heard him preach over 15 minutes. Man, he was a knowledgeable man. He was a come-outer. He had been a Southern Baptist and left the convention and was an independent Baptist, started the Tennessee University, pastor at Highland Park Baptist Church. He, he retired or stepped. He didn't retire from preaching. He, he went into evangelism. And when he did, I had him come oftentimes. And I had him come to preach. And I had him, and I, I had him come to preach at a, uh, at a worker's banquet. And we had all fancy. I mean, we had it. We pulled out all the stops. And, uh, and I'd never seen Dr. Robertson except from the pulpit ministry, really. I mean, I'd seen him from a pulpit setting. Preaching 15 minutes, he'd say, be faithful, be faithful, I'll stand with God, I'll stay with the Bible. And it'd be really the same outline. He preached about the same message all the time. Uh, uh, stay with one thing, this one thing I do. Paul said he'd stay, he was a sidetrack from the ministry, and he'd go on. It, 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 the same, it always fed me, always helped me. But I had him in a different light. I had him in that workers' banquet, so he wanted to have a meal. After we ate, I was trying to think of something I could ask him that would sound, and, and here's what I'm talking about. He, he, he was, he, the, the lesson I'm learning from him is, I mean, he, he was pointed. You know. Nobody ever had to question, you know, what he's talking about. He, you knew what he was and knew what he meant. I said, and I said, uh, Dr. Robertson, I said, um, and I've been thinking all week, you know, what could I ask him and not sound stupid? There's the president of a Bible college, pastor of the largest church in Tennessee. Are y'all still here? And so you would have, too, if you were smart, 
you'd be thinking about, what can I ask this man and not look stupid? And so I, I said, you know, I'm, I thought I got one. So I said, Dr. Robertson, I said, we're just not seeing people saved like I'd like to. Now, does that not sound like a credible question? He's eating and he drops his china, he drops his silverware, and we didn't have plate, it was real deal. On a china plate, and it sounded like a cowbell ring. And I mean, everybody looked like E.F. Hutton had spoken, you know. And he said, two things are wrong. Man, I'm getting a pen to write it down, you know. He said, number one, the gospel's lost its power. I'm thinking, that ain't the problem. He said, number two, you're not presenting it like you ought to. I said, how was y'all's trip over Mont Eagle coming in? The weather's been good, hadn't it? Real, real good. I mean, he just... You know, he didn't mind to offend you, to help you. He did not mind to offend you, to help you. See, some of y'all wouldn't offend anybody. You'd you just wouldn't get run over. You wouldn't even scream at them and tell them a car's coming. Because you don't want to be, you don't. No, you, sometimes, I, I'll never forget, I, we, were, we were having, he came to preach, and he, and he preached 15 minutes, gave an altar call. And, he started, and people started coming to the altar, and uh, he, he looked down to the, this lady, uh, uh, her name was Miss May McCoy. She was down there on her knees right by the communion table. And he said, ma'am, why did you come? I'd never seen him in this light, you know. He said, ma'am, why did you come to the altar? I'm talking about being, a, being straight, a straight shooter. And she said, Dr. Robertson, she looked up, she said, my son's on dope and my grandchildren are on dope. And he said, he said, then you just need to keep on praying. I said, some of you ladies... I mean, she's fixing to get up. I said, you just need to keep on praying. I said, that's not going to be that easy. He looked over at another lady, and she got up, and she had started to her, to her pew. And he said, ma'am, ma'am, look here. I said, what were you praying for? She said, my husband's lost. I said, how old is your husband? She said, he's 47. I said, he's lost. She, she, he said, you need to get back down here. If he's been lost that long, you need to get back down here. I mean, you know, You'd say, oh, I wouldn't embarrass those people. Now, the embarrassment's not over. Because all of a sudden, he looks at me and says, the problem with this church is you don't know how to give an invitation. I'd already been pastor there 16 years. Was pastor of church four years before that. I'm 20 years deep in the ministry, and he's telling me the problem. You don't get. I said, you're exactly right. You go right ahead. Sometimes, I mean, you're going to fix something. You've got to just be straight. You can't wiggle around, you know. Amen. You just got to deal with issues. And it, but he was he was he was an expert. And, and 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 but he didn't do it in a way to embarrass you. He was doing it to help you. you know? uh, old Billy Kelly. How many have heard of Billy Kelly, the preacher? He's evangelist. He was one of a kind. And uh, what what I learned from him was uh, the ministry does not have to be miserable. Uh, he was a heavy man. He said he lived in a, in a neighborhood of 300 pounds, and it was a big neighborhood. He loved to eat, Brother Billy Kelly. I mean, he could sing, play a fiddle. He was so talented, preached like forked lightning. But uh, I, I, I known him since my youth, and I remember there was a stage in his life about three years where he went on a diet. And, man, he, went, he lost down to about 225, and he was the most hateful, miserable, I mean, he's he mean as a copperhead. During that time, he looked at me, he said, 
He said, if I don't start eating some, he said, said I'm going to get a divorce. And, and really, he, was, he, he, could, he could enjoy being saved. You know, a lot of people endure it. You don't have to endure the ministry. I, I tell you, one night we were down in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. My daddy was preaching. There was a camp meeting down there, a historical camp meeting. Brother Billy Kelly, the Rochesters were there singing when they were real young. And, uh, and every night after the meeting, we'd gather in a little old, not a, it, was a, it was a motel, had a, like a conference room. And everybody would bring the, the guitars, mandolins, and banjos, and strings. We'd get in there and pick. And, uh, you know, everybody's real nervous what we're going to play. Because, I mean, how many times can you play Amazing Grace over? You know, and we're talking about everybody in there from Tennessee or Alabama. And we knew Faded Love, too. Somebody help me. And so we're sitting in there, and he, he said, uh, Brother Curtis, he said, I'm going to do one and dedicate it to all the Baptist church members from Forest Hills Baptist Church that left. Your cheating heart. And man, we played and had a good time, enjoyed it. And I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about getting out of bounds, but I'm talking about enjoying himself. And uh, if you can't enjoy yourself in church, that's all. That's the only place we go. We live in church. Uh, you you need to be able to enjoy it. And boy, I, I learned that you could enjoy. How much time am I got now? Am I doing where am I at? Okay, uh, I got a lot of them to talk about. Doctor Tom Malone. Doctor Tom Malone was a man with an uncompromised stand. You ought to listen to every sermon you can pull up by Doctor Tom Malone. He was born. In North Alabama, was born in, in Louisiana, actually, raised in, in uh, up in North Alabama, uh, and uh, on a farm. In the days of prior to electricity, he was born in the, I guess, eight. What, what, what maybe it says on that thing when he was born, 1915, raised on a hillside farm on the Mississippi border, in North Alabama, and. Uh, but I tell you what, what, what he, he, he was, he would, he, he never, he, he, and I'm, when I talk about. Never change, but I'm talking about an uncompromising stand. Uh, some people have characteristics, don't they? But he, he, he had a stand that would not change. I'll, I'll never forget, I, I was preaching with him in his latter years. We used to preach together often during the, the mid-90s or, or early 90s, 1990s. And we were in a pastor's conference, and it was a service just full of preachers. And I'd got up and preached, and I... Boy, I thought it sounded good because I'd heard it all my life, Brother Randolph. I said, bless God, hallelujah. If I'm going to fall, I want to fall too far to the right. Bless God, I don't want to compromise. If I want to be accused of something, I'm going to be accused of going too far to the right. And I mean, it sounds good. And so, I mean, I hit it and everybody was backing me. Hey, man, that's right, bless God, you're going to fall too far to the right. That's where I want to fall. Hey, man, preacher, that's right. Well, then Dr. Malone got up. He turns to Joshua chapter 1. He said, The Bible says Joshua neither turned to the right hand or to the left. Ain't that right, Brother Tony? Now, I just preached. I'm on the poster. I'm one of the keynotes. And he said, What I meant to say was when you fall, you don't want to fall to the left, that's compromise. You don't want to fall to the right, that's cultish. 
You want to fall where the Bible falls. Ain't that right, Tony? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sitting there. Yes, sir. What I want to say this morning before we leave, I don't want any question in anyone's mind that men of God need to fall where the Bible falls. Ain't that right, Tony? You say, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's why God used Tom Malone to straighten out a crook in my life. Man, I said, I want to be Bible. I don't want to exceed the Bible. I don't want to fall short of the Bible. I don't fall the Bible. And then he, he, was a, he, he had an uncompromising position. If you followed him from the time he was saved, if you, if you could follow his, his life, and, and, and look, I'm talking about consistently stood for biblical truth. Maybe I'll stop right there. Is that time or have I got a minute for one more? Okay. Well, uh, what time is it? Now, let me, give, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Uh, Carl Hatch. There's only one of them. He's got an Elvis Presley haircut. I mean, he's got it set back there. He's something else. Old brother Carl. I mean, man, he, he, he was the most unique personal soul winner. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, he couldn't have led all them people to the Lord. Well, if he led one-third of the people to the Lord that made professions under him, he did more than you'll do in three lifetimes. And, and one of the greatest lessons to learn here is, is, you know, you're real, I don't like the way he won souls. Well, R.A. Torrey told that man, I like the way I win them better than the way you don't win them. And if your dog can't tree the possum, don't cuss the one that can, you know. And so the old, old Carl Hatch is unreal. I mean, he was just like, I mean, it's there's, there's abnormal what he'd do. I mean, just crazy stuff that you God used. He, 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 he was absolutely out of the box. If you, and one of the greatest things is, is learn to be out of the box. Don't, 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 don't tie yourself into uh, uh, something that, this, that God can use. He, we, I remember one time we, I picked him up at the airport, and he said, do what I do. And I'm going, oh, huh. And we walked out, on, walked out there, and he said, do what I do. And we walked out there under the canopy and he, he walked out and he said look there and he said do what I do and I said look there and he, and he said do what I do look there look over there and I said look over there and people are coming out and they're going what no why are y'all looking at and he said look at that oh, look over there I said, look over there. Finally, man, people's looking around. It's like looking up. He said, you know what? God made all of that. God. Well, some started turning. Well, then he said, would you like to know the God that made all that? How'd you like to know the God that made all that? I can tell you how you know the God. He said, I wouldn't do that. Well, God used him. He'd do crazy things, man. We. We, and you, I know you wouldn't do this. We went to McDonald's one night. I always try to treat preachers the best when they come preach for me. But, but he wanted to go to McDonald's. He said, I'm craving a Big Mac. And I said, well, I'll get you one. We'll go get a steak. If you want. He said, I want a Big Mac. So we, we went in there, and, and it's late, and just, there's the, the one lady at the counter, and then the manager's back there. 
And he walks in, he goes, to me. And I said, and that lady's looking. And I said, well, he wants me to tell you, uh, if you died, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And he wants me to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for you. And what he wants me to tell you was he, he, he was buried. And he wants me to tell you that Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he wants you to go to heaven with us. I mean, I'm just trying to read the sign language. Somebody. Man, I go through plan salvation, man, she starts weeping. I'm thinking, this can't be real. This man is lying like he's deaf. He's faking it. I feel convicted. This ain't even right. I feel like I'm going to go to hell for doing this. She's weeping, and the manager walks back. He, he backs and puts his arm around the girl. He said, I've been praying for her. Now, how's that happening? He said, I've been praying for her. And I'm thinking, this ain't even right. And, I, and, and so he said, I said, he wants me to, if you would like to, to pray a prayer. And if you mean this, this prayer won't save you, but if you're sincere and you won't trust the Lord, the Lord will save you. Man, she's crying, the manager's crying, I'm waiting to be arrested. And Carl Hatches, I mean, he's enjoying every second of it, man. I mean, he's in his element. And so I said, just repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father. She said, dear Heavenly Father. And I said, say, I know I'm a sinner. She said, oh, I know I'm a sinner, oh, God. And I believe that Jesus died for me. She said, I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again. I didn't even tell her to say that. And, and, and I said, and right now, the best way I know how, she said, right now, the best way. And I said, I'm trusting you. She said, I'm trusting you to take me to take me when I die. And, she, and old Carl's over there just watching. Got his cowboy boots, got that Elvis Presley haircut. And when she gets through, she's weeping. The manager's hugging her. And all of a sudden, he said, ain't that great? Ain't that great you got saved? She didn't get mad. That manager said, oh, y'all are hypocrites. You should No, I'm not saying you, I'm not suggesting you do that. But I am suggesting you get out of the box. Man, I can tell you so many, man. We, we, <laughs> old Amy Grant, that's supposed to be, gospel singer I'll never forget that it was before 9-11 and he was preaching when he got off the plane Dallas at the Nashville airport he got off Dallas airport he come in from Dallas and I picked him up and Amy Grant came off the plane and, and he walks by and she walked by me and had her children and uh, I said brother Hatch I said Amy Grant just got off he said who's that I said well she's like a she's 
contemporary, she's like a country crossover artist or something. She sang gospel. You sang gospel. Now she, she says, does she know Vestal Goodman? You know, <laughs> if he did know Vestal, you didn't count. Somebody say amen. And I said, I don't know if she knows Vestal or not. He said, show her to me. Well, we get up there to the baggage claim, and there she said, got an entourage, got a Volvo station wagon with the hatchets right out there. And he walks up, he said, hey, Amy, preacher Hatch, God sent me by to ask you a question. Why'd you quit on God? And I'm going, we will be in jail. And she said, I didn't quit on God, preacher Hatch. She said, I just, I do crossover music. He said, Amy, preacher Hatch, God sent me by to ask you a personal question. Why'd you quit? on God. She said, I didn't quit on God. I, she said, I sing for, for Word, Waco, Texas Word, publication. and said, I, I do secular music too. He said, excuse me a minute, God sent me by. And there's her two kids. It was a, he said, I bet your kids ain't even safe. He meant saved. He don't say saved, he says safe. I had ten safe. We had ten safe tonight. Amen. Had a blind man Give up pornography. A deaf man gave up rock music. An amputee quit dancing tonight. Amen. Fire of God was all over. He said, I bet your kids ain't even safe. And man, she starts crying. I said, this can't be real. And she said, kids, come here a minute. And he gives them the gospel. Man, I mean, I'm talking about while they're on their knees in there. She said, thank you, preacher. I had you gone by. She said, I wouldn't have done that. No, because you stuck in your box. You're too scared what'll happen. All right, just the thought I got some more coming. You're dismissed. Get out of the box.